All right, Acts chapter 4, I'm going to read. And as I read, this is what I would love for all of you to do. I would love for you to not just follow along with me, but really, really engage in reading. And so to help us do that, I'm going to say a word of prayer before we read the passage so that God, through his spirit, can help us focus and get the most out of it. Yeah. All right. I'm going to pray now. God, your word is alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and it, um, it, it makes an impact not only intellectually but changes us. And so God, as a church, we want to view your word as sufficient. And so as we desire to just read now in a way where we're not just reading, but we're getting the most out of the reading, may you open up the eyes of our hearts so we may gain understanding um, that goes beyond um, our comprehension or our natural comprehension. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Acts chapter 4, verse 1 through to 22 and as they were speaking to the people um as they that is paul and uh, no peter and john as you guys remember last year we um, last year last week <laughs> um, we looked at um, acts chapter 3 and we looked at how god used or god healed a lame beggar through peter and john and in response to that healing, the crowd and the people got really excited and they were amazed by what they were seeing, this miraculous healing. Uh, and so they asked Peter and John and they said, Peter and John, like, how how did you do this? And they began to explain how they did that, that they brought about the healing. But not only that, they began to... Um, proclaim the gospel and preach the gospel to the crowd and so that's where we are and let's but go back to chapter 4 verse 1 and it says and as they were speaking to the people the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, 
by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is, n- and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name among heaven, and a name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For what a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them, not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they left them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people for all were praising God for what had happened for the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old let's pray God our father our king our lord and our saviour We so desire to not just hear, but be empowered by your spirit to live out everything we hear from you through this story. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. One of the most challenging things um, about um, the pandemic we're going through um, as, uh, in, as a globe is the many uncertainties related to it. Nobody knows when it will be over and we'll get back to living our normal lives. Um, you know, some people are saying it's going to take up to six months. Some people are saying by next month, everything's going to be OK. Some people are saying next year. Some people are saying even if all of this is over, we're going to be we're going to have to be living um, and working, going about our daily business wearing masks. Nobody knows. We are living in uncertain times. And although we're living in uncertain times, according to our world, as a church, there are some things we can be certain about. We can be certain that God is in control. We can be certain that God loves us and will be our good shepherd and is with us every step of the way 
as he leads and guides us in navigating through this challenging season. God is with us and he is for us. I love Romans 8, been meditating on it a lot. And it says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. There are sure promises in scripture that remind us of who God is and what he has promised us in this season. And so as a church, we can be certain about those things. As a church, we can be certain also of what to expect. Our passage um, for today helps us know what to expect as a church family on mission with Jesus, okay? As a church, we've always said we want to be a church family. We want to function as a family, but we don't only want to be introverted. We want to be looking outwards as well. And so we want to be on mission. And so as we endeavor to be a church family on mission with Jesus in San Diego, what should we expect? The first thing we're to expect as a church family on mission with Jesus is opposition. Opposition. Last week, we saw how God healed um, the lame beggar through Peter and John. And after healing the lame beggar, many people in the temple hear about it, gather around them and want to hear more. They want to hear, how did you guys do all of this thing? Peter and John then, what they do is they seize the moment, seize the opportunity and begin to preach the gospel. As they're preaching the gospel, they are interrupted by the leaders of the temple. And these men, these leaders have shown up, not with a genuine desire to know more or um, to kind of kindly, you know, um, escort them out or anything like that. No, these men have arrived on the scene with hostile intentions. They are annoyed with and offended by Peter and John. And they are annoyed with them, firstly, because according to them, these men are breaking the rules. Okay, they're breaking the law. They've been teaching in Solomon's colonnade without official authorization, okay, without permission. Back then, if you wanted to speak or do any type of presentation in the temple, you needed authorization. And according to them, Peter and John have no permission to be doing that. They're also annoyed with them because they've been going around telling people that Jesus was raised from the dead, okay? This is controversial. Because according to them, this whole idea of the dead, the bodily resurrection of a person, they don't believe us at all. And so they are very annoyed with them. And lastly, the religious leaders are furious with Peter and John because they've been talking about how Jesus is the promised Messiah and how they're responsible for his death. And so based on these charges, look at what it says in verse 3. They arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Just like Peter and John, on that day in the temple many years ago, just like our brothers and sisters throughout history 
and around the world, opposition is to be expected as we do our best to be a church family on mission with Jesus. Don't get it wrong. Like we will encounter opposition. That is something we are to expect as a church. We must not only expect opposition. Secondly, we must expect growth even in the midst of opposition. Okay, we must expect growth. Look at verse 4. Many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Think about what is happening here, all right? Peter and John preaching the gospel, okay? And they encounter some opposition. But But even though they've been locked up, okay, in prison, verse 4 just reminds us that the church continues to grow. Um, The verb believe here carries the idea of a person who considers something to be true and therefore puts their full trust in it. Many Jews who heard the gospel that they believed, they made a sincere and informed decision to dedicate the rest of their life to Jesus and it tells us with the number of converts rising to 5,000 males you remember this in chapter 2 after Peter had preached the gospel for the first time what happened 3,000 people got saved now it's telling us that the converts, a number of people that got saved, rose to 5,000 males. And we, you know, it's not counting um, um, women and children, but I'm sure um, so many more were saved on that day. And so this growth shows us one thing. It shows us that opposition from the Jewish authorities could not prevent the growth of the church. That is true in the past as we look at the history of the church but it's also true in our day and age opposition cannot stop the spread and impact of the gospel covid19 may have limited the amount of time we spend together and the opportunities we have for the gospel as we you know encounter and engage with people in person and face to face it might have brought these limitations but these limitations have not and will not stop the spread and influence of the gospel and so despite these challenges we believe as a church god is still at work the gospel continues continues to spread as we gather here live on zoom okay it continues to spread through text messages phone calls emails social media and we're going to be talking a little later about how we want to take this opportunity as a church to you should just amplify the gospel through social media we'll talk about that later but the gospel continues to spread even in the midst of this pandemic and the limitations we have If opposition and persecution hasn't stopped the spread of the gospel in the past, 
a pandemic like COVID-19 cannot stop the spread of the gospel. It may affect our social lives. It may sadly take lives. It may crash the economy. But this virus cannot stop us. Uh, no, cannot stop the gospel. And it cannot stop us from being God's instruments in this hopeless world. As a church family, we shouldn't only expect opposition or growth but we should also expect opportunities. We should expect opportunities. Back to our story. And so on the morning of the following day, the leaders, elders and scribes, along with the high priest, came together to interrogate Peter and John. Together they formed a coalition, um, and this coalition was arguably the most powerful religious authority in Israel at the time. Okay, I was thinking about this, and I was like, it would be like the spiritual advisor to president, you know, to the president, um, the chief judge of the Supreme Court, the governor of California, the pre, the bishops, and key religious leaders gathering to form a council in order to interrogate. Um, someone okay this is the kind of influence and power Peter and John were up against this newly formed council have been aware of what Peter and John have been teaching but what they know has been second-hand information okay and so um, they want to hear directly from them that's why in verse 7, they ask him, they say, by, guys, by what power or by what name did you do this? First of all, um, they want to know the power behind the miraculous healing. They want to know the power. As devout Jews, they believed this kind of miracle could only come about through some sort of supernatural power. All right. And so based on this belief, there were only two possibilities for this healing, the power of God or the power of the devil. Also, they want to know more about the name by which this miracle was performed. And the reason for this is that in that culture, it was common to call on various gods, spirits, magical names and symbols for healing okay that is why they're very much like hey uh, not only by what power by what name did you perform this miracle in peter filled with the holy spirit responds to their questioning he begins by clarifying their question and after he does this he does something interesting he begins to talk about how the miracle was a good deed that helped a man who was crippled, okay? They're asking a straight-up question, okay? What power, what name? But Peter begins by highlighting um, that something good here has happened, okay? And I think the reason why he's saying that or he's doing this is that he wants to get across to them that actions that benefit others are coarse, for gratitude, not a hostile examination, okay? Um, actions that benefit others are a cause um, for gratitude, 
not hostile examination. And so what he's basically saying is that, hey, guys, something good has happened here. Something awesome has happened. And all your response has only been hostility. And so in verse 10, he begin, he gives a direct response to the original question. He says that the miracle they've all witnessed, the miracle they cannot deny it, happened through the name and power of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 10 with me. It says, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. With this speech, Peter not only lets them know the source of the miraculous healing, that is Jesus, but after realizing that he had an opportunity he may never have again, and that is a chance to proclaim the gospel to the religious leaders of the day, what he begins to do is just do just that, is to proclaim the gospel. I, I just love Peter. It's just every opportunity. He heals a man who's lame um, from birth. People ask him, okay, how did this happen? He's very much like, in the name of Jesus. And then he's very much like, oh, by the way, let me tell you more about Jesus. It's the same thing here, all right? He proclaims the gospel of Jesus by first revealing Jesus' identity. Right. And if you've noticed, he says it a lot. He just doesn't say in the name of Jesus. He says in the name of Jesus Christ, the Christ, the Messiah. And so in, in, in proclaiming the gospel, um, he reveals Jesus's identity as the Messiah and the long awaited king of Israel. And not only that, he explains that they're responsible for Jesus's crucifixion. And finally, he reveals how Jesus was victorious over death because God raised him from death to life. Peter then goes on to support his indictment with scripture. In verse 11, he quotes from a well-known psalm, Psalm 118, um, which says something similar here. But what he does is is fascinating. He identifies this psalm um, as a prophecy and that their actions against Jesus was a fulfillment of this prophecy. Peter then concludes his response by highlighting the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. And he does this in verse 12. Look at verse 12. It says, this is what he says. And this is how he concludes. He says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is not the only one that healed this man, he's saying, but Jesus is also the only one through whom God grants salvation. Peter and John were given an opportunity for the gospel and they seized the opportunity. And as a church family, or mission with Jesus in San Diego, we have and we will continue to be given opportunities to tell people about Jesus, to share with people how Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. 
as COVID-19 continues to cause sickness, death, unemployment, there is no better time. Listen to me, guys. There is no better time in history for the church to rise up and take action and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. No better time. People are looking for answers to the most deepest questions in life. People are looking for hope as they face fear. One blog post I recently read said it this way. They said, in a world of bad news, the good news of the gospel is as great as ever before. Easter is next Sunday. And I'm sure that caught you off guard. It caught me off guard. It really did. Okay. And I don't think there will ever be an Easter where people across the world will be shaken and seeking hope. We may not be able to gather in person. We may not be able to invite friends and family to an Easter service, all right? Like a real in-person Easter service to hear the gospel. But we believe this obstacle is actually an opportunity, an opportunity for us to share the gospel with far more people than we typically would on Easter. And how we want to do this, okay, how we want to do this is not have you guys only invite people to a Zoom or an online church service, okay? How we want to do this is to help you to share the hope of Christ with a desperate world. Did you hear that? To help you share the hope of Christ with a desperate world. And so this is the plan. And I am so excited about this. And I hope you are excited about this too. Okay, I'm looking at a screen, all right, a computer screen in my son's room. And I don't know how you guys are responding, but whatever, I'm still excited. This is the plan. We will help every single one of you prepare your testimony, okay? Then, starting next week, leading up to Easter, we will all post our one-minute to two-minute videos on social media sharing our testimony. Think about this. Think about this, okay? And we're not the only church doing this. Several churches are doing this, and this is awesome. Think about this. People all over our city are quarantined in their homes, and they're going to be scrolling. They're saying people are spending more time on their devices than ever. And it makes sense, okay? Everyone's at home and they're just scrolling on their phones. And as they do that, they will see a flood of stories about how the resurrected Jesus brings purpose and meaning and hope, okay? And so rather than each of us inviting one person or two people, however many, to an Easter service to hear me or another pastor preach the gospel, we will each proclaim the gospel to hundreds of non-Christian friends and co-workers 
through our social network. If you're excited about that, give me a thumbs up. Love it. <laughs> yes. Right? We're going to be sending more information about this, right? But think about it. We have an opportunity we may never, ever get again. And just like Peter and John, let's seize the opportunity while we can to amplify the good news of the gospel through technology that we have. Okay? And so more information about that coming soon. Okay? As a church family, we shouldn't only expect opposition or growth or opportunities as we endeavor to be a church family on mission with Jesus, but also we should expect boldness. As the authorities observed Peter and John speak for an extended period of time about how Jesus is the Messiah and how they killed him, but how God raised him from the dead and how his continuing power had healed the lame man and that salvation is only possible through loyalty to him. As they're listening to these two men, they're left astonished and they are not astonished by what Peter and John said, they're not astonished by their message or content, but they are blown away by how they said it. Look at verse 13 closely. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. Stop right there. Stop right there. Now, the term here, uneducated, does not mean they were unable to read or write. But uneducated here means uh, they had a lack, they didn't have any formal scribal training. In other words, the council perceived that these two men had no ministry training. They didn't have any seminary, seminary degrees or anything like that. And this is why they're left amazed. They can't reconcile how uneducated men like them have such boldness and confidence in what they know and believe. And this is what leads them to conclude that Peter and John have been with Jesus. Let's read verse 13 again. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That line right there, that verse has to be one of my favorites. As someone who is a minister of the gospel, this reminds me that I can only be effective in my ministry when I am intimately walking with Jesus. And this doesn't only apply to me, it applies to every single one of you, right? Being with Jesus is what empowers you to be effective in ministry and in what God has called you to. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And so my question is, are you 
regularly walking with Jesus? Are you viewing your life through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of who Jesus is and what he's done for you? Are you regularly preaching the gospel to yourself? Are you spending quality time with Jesus? Let's carry on with our story. The first reaction of the Jewish elite leaders may have been astonishment, but their second reaction was speechlessness. Look at verse 14. It says, But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. <laughs> All right? It's incredible. Okay? They've just left these guys speechless, by not just by what they said, but the evidence of God's power. And so they weren't sure of what to say and do with Peter and John. And so what they did was they scheduled a debrief to discuss what action to take against them. And so behind closed doors, what they did was they speculated about their options and they eventually came up with a solution. And the solution of this, they were okay and fine with them doing miracles. Okay? But they were very uncomfortable with them giving credit to Jesus. They don't want the name of Jesus and what he's done through them to go viral and continue to trend. And so to stop Jesus from trending through the disciples, they decided the best way was to prevent them and other Jesus followers from continuing to proclaim Jesus and his resurrection. And so look at verse 17. It says, right, they, they, verse 17 says, verse 17, it says, um, they, they warned them, okay, to speak no more to anyone in his name. Verse 18, so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Hey guys, we're good with you guys doing miracles and all of that stuff. But don't you dare ever say it's coming from Jesus. Leave this Jesus out of all of this. It's basically what they said to them. Three weeks ago, um, as you guys were aware, the government began to ban all mass gatherings. Okay, This meant we were not allowed, no one was allowed to meet, um, to meet. And that applied to us because we, weren't, we were no longer allowed to meet at the Soledad Club for our Sunday service. And this law, like I said, did not only apply to churches, but applied to everyone. Every business, every theme park, every restaurant. When I heard Disneyland had to close down, I was like, wow, <laughs> this, this thing is crazy. It's serious. Disneyland closing down? Wow, that's crazy. And living in the UK, the premiership, soccer, football, it's our, it's our thing, okay? Everybody wakes up every weekend and looks forward to watching some footy, some football, okay? But when they announced that the Premier League, all games were postponed, I was beginning to think this is crazy. Imagine 
And so as I was thinking about all of these bans and banning of gatherings, I started to think about this. I started to think that imagine if this rule only applied to churches, only applied to Christians, that Christians were not allowed to gather to worship Jesus. Imagine not only that, but it was worse. The government came out and said Christians were not only allowed to meet for worship in public spaces, but Christians were not allowed to share the gospel and tell people about Jesus. How would you respond to this? How would you respond to this? And this is a similar situation Peter and John find themselves in. And this is, if you're aware of the persecuted church, and that in many parts of our world, there are Christians who are living under these restrictions. This is what Peter and John find themselves in. They are not allowed to talk about Jesus anymore. And so the question is, how do they respond to this? Look at verse 19 and 20. It says, they say, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Let me read that again. Verses 19 and 20. Listen to how they respond. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you you must judge. Basically, uh, guys, like what is right for us to listen to God or listen to you? You be the judge of it. Knowing who you knowing who we are, I think you guys know the answer to that. He's saying verse 20, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. In other words, Peter says to them, what are we supposed to do? If you need to arrest us, arrest us. But how can we accept your instruction to remain silent when Jesus commands us to testify about him? Whether it is right for us in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to him, you must judge. And we will accept your judgment and its consequences. But we cannot and will not remain silent. Once I heard an author say something like this. Um, he, he kind of said, we in you know America and the UK, we are not being told not to preach about Jesus, but we struggle <laughs> to do it. Okay, we have a hard time telling people about Jesus, even though we're allowed to do it. And the people that are being persecuted that can't do it are the ones most active in sharing their faith. I appreciate one author. Um, he's a pastor and author, Russ Ramsey. This is what he says about Peter's response. He says, there was a tone of respect in Peter's objection. He acknowledged these leaders is civil authority. He was not dismissing the role of the temple court. He was simply acknowledging that the authority of Jesus was higher than the laws of the land. And when the two were in conflict, 
civil law could not bind his conscience against the law of his God. Peter and John were men under authority. Their lives were not their own. The name they were being told to deny was the name by which they lived. How could they do what the temple court was asking? This is not just boldness. This is conviction. Conviction. A similar attitude and stubbornness, I would say, and you know, a good version of rebellion is being displayed by many believers through, throughout our world. And their boldness to proclaim the gospel in the face of opposition and choose to obey God rather than man wasn't something that um, was born out of their personality that oh yeah Peter and John they are strong personalities and they're very strong-minded no it wasn't born out of that it was inspired by quality time with Jesus and power from the Holy Spirit let me say that again courage and boldness in the face of opposition okay and eventual persecution doesn't come um, through our personalities or through training or through inspirational, motivational talks, courage and boldness in the face of opposition for us comes from quality time with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. As we are faced with opposition and as we are given opportunities for the gospel, we can be confident of this. Jesus continues to empower us in the same way and for the same mission. He continues to be faithful to his people and his mission. And so I'm looking, looking to next week and leading up to Easter for us to really consider and take the opportunity God has given us to offer a hopeless world the only hope their souls have been longing for, and that is Jesus Christ. And so, as a church on mission with Jesus in San Diego, we can expect this. We can expect opposition. We can expect growth even in opposition. Um, we can expect um, we can expect um, growth. We can expect boldness, and we can expect God to give us opportunities. And I believe, especially in this season when the world is falling apart. We have been given a great opportunity and we need to wake up, step up, take action and begin to proclaim the gospel. And I cannot wait to witness God work powerfully in and through all of us, not just me, not just the key leaders, not just the most passionate or mature believers, but every single one of us. I want us all involved in proclaiming the gospel. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for 
allowing us to gather in this way. But most of all, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for reminding us of what to expect, Lord. And so when we do encounter these things, we're not surprised. But Father, I'm just so encouraged to know that we should expect you to empower us, Father. Just like Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit as he proclaimed you, we are not only filled, but we have your spirit residing in us. And so may we walk in confidence, knowing that you are with us and you will empower us to do all that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen.